this is what sends me to my prayer time every day. It's yeah. not because I'm trying to keep a rule. Right. I need him. Right. I'm to the place now in my life after 35 years of walking with the Lord, I know how much I need him yes. to become the person that other people need and need me to be in their life. Yes. I don't want to be a Pharisee. Being needy is not a popular idea in today's America. Our culture values self-confidence, self-reliance, and self-satisfaction. Unfortunately, these values often put on a religious mask and sneak into the church in the form of religious pride. This pride deceives many people into believing the best about themselves, even when they're enslaved to sexual sin. Today we're going to look at how important it is to grasp our true condition before God. We'll also explore why our attempts to be good in our own strength often prevents us from experiencing the abundant life promised to us in Jesus. I'm your host, Nate Dancer. That's what's coming up on Purity for Life. Even the word can make us feel uncomfortable. And let's be honest, brokenness, contrition, humiliation, repentance, these are painful things to experience. In our 30 plus years of ministry, we have seen it so many times that to avoid the pain of spiritual neediness, many times people try to clean themselves up, do good deeds, and they hope that God and other people will accept those efforts. But in this clip from our archives, Mike Johnston, Bill Lucas, and Kathy Gallagher show us that healing, restoration, and forgiveness will only come when we see that we cannot help ourselves and that we desperately need God to do a work of grace in our hearts. Bill Lucas has joined Kathy Gallagher and I in the studio. Bill is a counselor for the Live-In program here at Pure Life Ministries. Bill and Kathy, good to see you both. Well, thank you, Mike. It's good to be back in the guest seat. It's good to be here, Mike. We want to talk today about biblical forgiveness. It is at the core of our faith and the core of our relationship with the Lord. Bill, I want to start with you. One of the things that I know we see in the men coming into the Live-In program is that an understanding of our forgiveness requires that we have a sight of our need. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, let's just say with the particular sin we deal with in the area of sexual sin, guys come in with just one little problem. Oh, that's the way they see it. That's the way they see it. They mm-hmm. come in with this idea that that they're going to come in and deal with this problem and get on with life. And mm-hmm. and again, it's the reality of my life that when God opened my eyes to the wickedness of my heart, which had a complete effect on my whole life, um, my living, how I mm-hmm. acted, what I did. And so as we expose that to the men, they, f- they realize that their one little problem of, let's say, sexual sin, the greater need is that they have a heart problem, which wow. contains every aspect of their life. It's like you can't put one little problem in a system and it not affect the whole system. Right. Well, another way to look at it, too, is that the outward sins that we see are really a manifestation of, as you said, the heart issue, that they're really growing out of, of the deeper heart issues. Mm-hmm. Correct. 
Right. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about if you don't understand the nature of sin, then it's hard to really kind of get a grasp on the nature of your need. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when I got saved, all I knew that there was something so desperately wrong with everything about me that if I died, I would be separated from God. I just somehow yeah. knew that inside. My need was enormous. Yeah. That our heart is bent. It's yeah. corrupt through and through. And that's what God is after. That's what God's trying to deal with. It's not the symptoms he wants to deal with. Well, let's take it down one more level and get a little closer to the fire for those who may be listening. You may not have ever dealt with sexual sin. Mm -hmm. In fact, you may look at yourself and think, you know, I'm a pretty good person. Mm -hmm. You know, and we can all compare ourselves to other people, and we can always find other people that make us look pretty good (laughs) on the outside. But, you know, as always, when we're dealing with issues of faith, the truth is in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And the Word of God says there is no good thing in me. And, you know, I can be a churchgoer all my life. I can have a gold star on my church attendance. Mm -hmm. I can be outwardly kind to other people. I can be a very humble person in my personality. But the Bible says it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. There's no good thing in you because we've all been terribly corrupted Mm -hmm. by sin. And whether it's outwardly communicated to others or whether it's just secretly in the heart. We are all desperately without hope when it comes to our sin. Yeah, the corruption that came through the fall belongs to all of mankind. No one has been excluded from it. We are all corrupt inwardly. And so forgiveness, God doesn't forgive just specific sins, and that's not what our need is. We don't need God to forgive us specifically of certain sins. We need the whole of God's love and forgiveness to come over who we are right. in our natures yeah. because our nature is gone, yeah. and that's what the issue is. I think one of the biggest enemies towards seeing need is the naturally good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The The person yeah. who is naturally good will struggle tremendously seeing a spiritual need. Mm-hmm. A lot of people see the all the good, and they're looking at it um, as that's what rates me in a sense mm-hmm. that this is how I'm good. Well, you think of the rich young ruler was a perfect example of that. He right. came to Jesus and said to Jesus, I've kept all of the commandments all of my life. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And, you know, the whole argument was ridiculous to, to the Lord. I mean, he didn't come across that way, of course, but there's none good. Yeah. No one's good. Yeah, we'll finish out that story because what Jesus told him to do was, okay, let's just assume for the sake of argument, basically is what Jesus was saying, that you've done all these things and right. you've <laughs> done them all with the right <laughs> motives and, and all of that, which obviously wasn't true. He kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt <laughs> gave him anyway. the benefit of the doubt. Right. He said, okay, now go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Right. Well, Jesus knew there was a heart issue mm-hmm. in this man. He loved his money. He all loved right. his wealth. It was his security, whatever attachments he had to these things. And that man went away sad yeah. because there was a heart issue. Right. And, and that's really what we're saying. Mm-hmm is that all of us have heart issues, Mm -hmm. uh, no matter how outwardly good we may appear. Bill, share a little bit with us, because I know really this is the first step for men that come into our program. And really, we can apply this to anyone who's listening, but we'll use our men uh, as an example. Once they've gotten, really gotten a sight of how desperately needy they are, 
uh, what happens in their relationship with the Lord and what the Lord is offering them? As they see their need and their great lack, if you could say it like that, the next step is a gratitude should grow in their in their lives of, of what Christ has done because yeah. they realize, again, just expressing the idea of need, you see need as either natural or spiritual, and we're talking a spiritual need that is in the inside world, and only Jesus can fulfill that. He's the only one that can bring that forgiveness. And as we recognize that, and as these men recognize that as they come in, a gratitude starts to well up and hope. You know, mm, I, yeah. I just, it's amazing that when someone's eyes are open to the greatness of God and what God has done and how he has paid a great price, when your eyes are open to the reality of it compared to you, yeah. hope, you get hope and yeah. that God can really restore. Yeah. And humility as well is what I think of, right. you know, when, when yeah. you when you get a sight of who you are and what God has done, and it's proper, it's the proper thing, the proper balance, all you can do is fall down and worship. It's yeah. like, man, God, thank you. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, when you really get a sight of what you are and what right. you've done and mm-hmm. what you deserve, mm-hmm. but Jesus took the wrath of God for mm-hmm. me, it's like, wow. You know? Yeah, the forgiveness of God is so tremendous. In fact, when you really get a sight of it, it's almost unbelievable. It is. Right. A, it really <laughs> you is. Know? You know, it's it like is. I just walk around thinking, Lord, I just sometimes, uh, I don't even know how to say it in the right way. I just have trouble getting my arms around the fact that God has really forgiven me. Right. You know what's even more has. amazing <laughs> than that is that it's too over the top. Words don't do it justice, but that he lives in me. Yeah. He is right. ever present. Yes. He is now here near. Yeah. And right he, now. And he couldn't unless he had forgiven us. Yeah. And right. it's like, wow. Yeah. It's God wonderful. lives in me. This is amazing. You know, it's like it pretty amazing to us. Transforms too. <laughs> your life. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. I and did, all I tell, my friends, thank you. I tell the guys that with the the Lord in you, I it's it's even in the Bible it's stated if the Spirit of God is in you then you have been given a spirit of power and of love and of the sound mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just so tremendous to know that God, when the, the truth starts becoming real about our relationship with this awesome God, this mighty God who has forgiven us, it's humbling. You, you see how much you lack and then how much he has. Mm-hmm. Yes, becomes that's so a wonderful real. way to put it. And that's the balance. Yeah. yeah, I'm an empty well, and he is an overflowing fountain. Mm-hmm. Right. That's good. Of whatever I need, mm-hmm. he's overflowing with it. Right. Well, let's uh, talk about one third thing as we wrap up today. As an individual sees his need, and as he gets a sight of God's forgiveness for him, how does that affect his relationship with other people? Hmm. Well, because of the nature of where we're at, it's a group of men and everyone's together, and we kind of at first just—we do. At first, we just tell them what it's like to live around people as other sinners, and as you begin to see what God has done for you, and as God has forgiven you, and you come to a greater understanding of that, what else can I do than to express that towards others? Mm -hmm. You know, there's many scriptures to back it up, but, you know, I think of Romans 2. One that gives the impression of if you become a judge, you know, that it's like what you're doing is you're looking in a mirror and mm-hmm. you're just seeing another person. And I, I tell the guys this is that when you get a sight of what you're like and who Christ is, 
you'll have compassion for others yes. and allow them room and you'll learn to forgive others. Yeah. Yes. I've put it this way. It's very difficult to look down on other people when you're down where you need to be. Right. Because yeah, you can't. Yeah, <laughs> you can't. Because <laughs> yeah. all you can do is look up. Right. And, yeah. You know, and then you're looking up to and other God people's is big. needs and, and yeah. to the Lord. Right. Yeah. God is big. When you're at your right spot, you see God is so much bigger. And it's so real that when we're in our right place, we can really look to God and just trust him that, you know, I can be compassionate towards others. I can forgive others, just like the Bible says. And God does truly um, provide my every need. He, mm-hmm. he yeah. is there. He will guide my steps. He does what his word says. Yeah. yeah. Only the power of God can give the human heart the ability to say, I forgive you, you know, but he will give it to you. Yeah. Bill Lucas and Kathy Gallagher, thanks so much for talking to us today about biblical forgiveness. Thanks, Mike. It's been a pleasure. As Bill said, the men who come to our residential program often think that basically they're good people. Now, to break through a deception like this takes a great work of the Holy Spirit. Their eyes must be open to see how wicked their lives have been. But when they see this truth, the journey to freedom can begin. One biblical example of a man whose eyes were opened in this way is the Apostle Paul. As Saul the Pharisee, he was flawless by the religious standards of his day, but in God's sight, he was spiritually bankrupt. Listen as Mike Johnston and Kathy Gallagher talk about the change of heart that took place when Paul was converted and what that story teaches us today. Kathy Gallagher has joined me in the studio. Kathy is the co-founder of Pure Life Ministries and also of EternalWeight.com. Kathy, it's great to see you again. Thanks, Mike. It's good to be here. Kathy, we're going to continue our discussions in a little book by Roy Hessian entitled When I Saw Him. And we're going to be focusing, as he did, in a chapter on what arguably is one of the most profound transformations of a man in all of the Bible. And that, of course, is Saul of Tarsus, Mm -hmm. later to be known as Paul. Who is this Saul of Tarsus that just suddenly appeared on the scene in the early days of the church? Well, you have to kind of go back to his beginnings um, to lay the groundwork or the foundation work of who he was and how he became this Pharisee of Pharisees, Mm. is how he dubbed himself. And I actually got a lot of this information from a message that my husband gave. Um, He just laid out what he was like as a little boy in the home that he was raised in. And his father was a Pharisee, and he was probably prosperous, prestigious, etc. And that gave Paul or Saul, a lot of perks in Mm, life. mm. And so he was taken to Jerusalem at a very young age to be trained under Gamaliel. And that was like the honor of all honors. Mm. I mean, you just, you can't get higher in the Pharisaical world and groomed up in that culture, that atmosphere. They were very strict Jews at home. Mm -hmm. Everything was strict. Washing of hands before meals, just all of the Pharisaical stuff. And one of the things that Steve brought out also in that message about Saul was that he was a very intense character, and he just it just blended for him. He mm-hmm. it, it worked well for him. Mm-hmm. So by the time he's in his 30s, he is now sent out by the Sanhedrin to go after these godless Christians. And, and in his mind, that's how he saw them, the hatred 
that this mm-hmm. man was in. He was in full-on hatred. He was a persecutor of Jesus Christ. And so it was profound for me to get that backdrop mm-hmm. on Saul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes it even more amazing to oh. to realize how hard of a heart God can get a hold of. Mm. And, you know, of course, we'll probably talk about this as, as we go through it. But the wonderful thing about learning the background of Saul was to be able to look at our own hearts. Yeah, the Pharisee in all of us always has this kind of an undertone. Oh, God, I thank you that I'm not like that. Mm. Well, Kathy, you used the term Pharisee, and of course he was a Pharisee in the sense that he belonged to a group called the Pharisees. He literally was, yeah. And one of the things I liked reading by Roy Hessian is he really broke down into four areas mm-hmm. what that meant in Paul's life, four aspects of being a Pharisee. And I think it might be helpful uh, for folks to hear those four areas. Let's work through those. And I would just encourage people, as we try to be in our own lives, to be open to evaluating their own heart and see, wow, is there some of this in me? Mm -hmm. So let's start with the, the first area that he brings out in Paul's life, which was the pride of ancestry. Right. And I'm just going to read right from the book because he says it better than I can. He he done good. (laughs) (laughs) This is what Paul said about himself. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. This marked him out from the rest of the nations whom the Jews contemptuously referred to as the uncircumcised, nor was he a Gentile proselyte. He was one of God's chosen race. Mm -hmm. That was man, a prize to be coveted in that day and in that age and amongst those people. That was just like it seated you above everybody, at Mm -hmm. least in your own mind. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are people who struggle with this in their Mm -hmm. personal lives, just the purebred, Mm -hmm. that mentality, you know. And I just think that we have it in us to think that way. Always to think ourselves better than someone else. We see it in our denominational Uh, fractures. Well, let's talk about another area that Roy Hessian brings out, and that is the pride of orthodoxy. Mm. Yeah, Roy Hessian brings out they kept all the laws, and he really emphasized that more in the book than I have actually written in my notes here, but Mm. you could fill (laughs) a full sheet of paper with all of the rules in Sabbath keeping, Mm -hmm. and they kept them all. They were strict, Mm -hmm. a strict Jewish family. Well, Um, take that word Jewish family Put a blank line in there and, yeah. and fill in whatever you are, and then ask yourself, do I find myself not being merciful to people, not having compassion for people, because they're not keeping all those rules that whatever group I'm in keeps? You know, this is the, what we were just talking about. I'm better than that. Mm-hmm. It's ugly. It's because ugly... I'm doing this. Yeah, because, because I'm doing me. all this stuff, right. so this puts me a notch above them. Ugly, yeah. ugly, pharisaical spirit. However... I think what's happening is everybody's dumbing it down. We're all trying to fit in. We're trying to be tolerant. And in the process of that, we are really moving away from the faith. Mm. Yeah. So I see I see both things happening. Well, let me confuse this even more for the listener. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're following, <laughs> I hope. You know, you can become just as pharisaical mm. in the second as you were in the first. Right. And so what's missing is if it's not drawing people to Jesus, it's off the mark because it's missing the heart of Jesus. Yeah, you know, I think I can just say it this way. Are we allowing him, his love, to flow through our lives? And it's just, it's a constant vigilance 
this is what sends me to my prayer time every day. It's yeah. not because I'm trying to keep a rule. Right. I need him. Right. I'm to the place now in my life after 35 years of walking with the Lord. I know how much I need him yes. to become the person that other people need and need me to be in their life. Yes. I don't want to be a Pharisee. Yeah, yeah. That really kind of leads us to the third point, Paul's pride about the zeal of his activity. <laughs> and that really kind of links to what we were just talking about. Talk a little bit about that. Well, just being zealous to persecute Christians, that's a <laughs> that's an amazing thing that and he he was all in, man. He was going to give everything he had. He was intense and he was driven mm-hmm. to do this thing. Mhm. For God. Mm. And it's so, I'll speak from my own testimony, it's so easy to fall into that trap. Mm. And I think the root of it very often is, man, if I don't work hard enough, God's not going to accept me. Yeah. Yeah. He felt like he had to accomplish for God to be accepted by God. But not only that, he was proving himself. Mm. Yeah. Young men yeah. prove themselves, and they want their peers and their, especially their leaders, to see them. Mm-hmm. And in that desire, mm. they will do violence to themselves to yeah. reach the pinnacle. Yeah, and, and to other people, unfortunately. That's where I was headed, was what the damage they do, the trail of bodies yeah. in their yeah. wake. Well, let's look at the fourth point about Paul's Phariseeism in the time that we have left. And uh, Roy Hessian says perhaps this was the worst thing of all, and that was his pride of morality. Yeah. Concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. Mm. Wow. That's a huge statement about who he was and what was going on inside of him. Mm. That means I did it all Mm. right. Mm -hmm. I was perfect Mm -hmm. in my morality. I had it all taken care of. Yeah. Now, I've never met anybody like that before. I have, and I look at the mirror at him every day. <laughs> Not good. Well, it's good in the sense that I see it, and I didn't used to see it. Mm. We all have the propensity to be Pharisees, and to some extent, we are. Yeah. But he wants to set us free yeah. so that we can be more like Jesus, yeah. who wasn't a Pharisee. <laughs> no, he was absolutely, completely pure. But man, how he loved them. He loved them, but he they were the ones he, he was, was most angry yes, with. Yes, he was. He was Because definitely. of the load that they would lay on people. Yeah. And the yeah. impossibility of serving God because of all of their rules. Mm-hmm. And people couldn't bear up under it. Yeah, it, it's a terrible weight. It's a terrible weight on others. And I will say it is a terrible weight on the Pharisee. You can't bear up under it either. I mean, at some point in life, you will come to the place of realizing, unless you are just hell-bent on, (laughs) terribly, terribly hard-hearted, you will not be able to stand up underneath the the load. It will bring you down. And that's a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, amen. He was highly educated and very devoted to every aspect of the law and the whole Thing that Judaism had become at that time. And when Jesus started this new sect, as he saw it, and as he saw it as a tremendous heresy and a danger to the whole system of Judaism, he was on a mission to destroy this sect before it grew anymore. And he was on the road to Damascus, and he had a supernatural encounter with a divine being who let Paul know that he was Jesus. And in that meeting, Paul was blinded, and he had three days 
to where he couldn't do anything but basically lay there. And I want you to take us into what it was that Paul had to come face to face with during those three days. When that light came and that voice came and laid him out for three days, he was blind and he had nothing left to do except to think about this person, this supernatural person called Jesus. Whom they had crucified. Whom they had crucified. And he knew he was dead. Mm -hmm. So he had to grapple with, now he's speaking to me. Mm -hmm. And they had to, he had to come to grips with the fact that he basically crucified God. Mm. And it dismantled his entire life. Yeah. This Judaism, the system of Judaism, Mm -hmm. it was everything to him. But the outcome of it was, and in fact, Roy Hessian says, Years later, when his understanding and vision of Jesus had matured much more, he wrote down what it was that he really perceived. And then that's where this do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. To me, when I read those verses now, you know, in Philippians, Mm -hmm. even though Paul wrote them, that is who he saw. That is the Jesus that he saw. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. such a powerful testimony of what happened to him in those three days, the things that he saw. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the effect of that vision. What was his focus and the thrust and the flow of his life before this vision and what it became after the vision? the, The focus was just he was all in. He was all Pharisee. He got authority to go and persecute Christians. And then... He sees Christ, and on a dime, everything changes. And the things that he said after his conversion, and I love this, I have counted as loss all those things Mm -hmm. that were gained to me, those things that I counted as a gain, my education, my reputation, all that he had, those things used to be his gain. Now those things are counted as loss for Jesus' sake. And more than that, I count all things, I wonder what the all things were in his mind, Mm. to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law. And that is what Paul had. Mm -hmm. That is all he had. That was his whole life, his own righteousness that was derived from the law. I wish there was time to talk about how much he invested in his life as a Pharisee. Well, because we do have limited time, let's move to an application. Because the fact is, any of us who have been willing to sit at the feet of Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts You don't have to do that for very long before you realize we're all Pharisees. Hmm. We all have in us what Paul had in him. Talk about that and talk about what God is calling us to today as believers. Well, I think that what we all have in common, and uh, Roy Hessian talks a little bit about this pride that's in all of us, the Pharisaical pride that's in all of us. We all have it to some degree or another. Talk about how does that manifest itself 
in our lives. Well, uh, let me just read okay. what he said, because I think he says it extremely well. <laughs> our inward thought so often is, if not in one matter, then in another, I thank thee, God, that I am not as other men. <laughs> we don't do this. We don't do the other. We don't miss our quiet times. We don't fail to give money. We don't dress in a worldly way or go to worldly amusements. We little know how much these things mean to us until we find ourselves with people who do what we don't do and who don't even appear to be trying. Mm. And then we find ourselves looking down at them as from some pedestal of pride. How little we know what the law of God really demands of us. We seem to think that provided we keep certain rules, it does not matter what happens in other areas. But those other areas where self is allowed to reign untouched are the important ones. That is well said. It is very well said. And we all, I think pretty much, (laughs) at least in the realm that we're in, Mm. it's the evangelical thing in America. Just keep Mm. the rules, you know, and you're good. Mm -hmm. But we ignore so many other things that are going on inside that God yeah. sees those are the things that he's focusing on. Yeah. This is really, I guess, what I want to close on. Talk about what has to happen in the life of a believer today for us to move from where Paul was to where he ended up. We have to have a similar experience. and Maybe not a light from heaven, but we have to pass through certain places in our journey with Christ. And I know that being a Pharisee is one of those places you have to pass through. And I believe true believers come out the other side. I don't think there's a formula. My experience has been, anyway, that being in the Word of God and being real with myself, not being fake, not trying to perform, Mm -hmm. that is the worst thing you can do to yourself. Yeah, it is. But the Word of God, that is our dictionary. That's our roadmap. That's our, if you want to put it this way, our rule book. Mm. But what you find in the Word of God isn't, if your heart is right, you don't see do's and don'ts. You see Jesus. I was going to say, you see, you see who Paul saw. Yeah. And this is the cry of my heart every day. God, please show me the Lord. Mm-hmm. Open my blind eyes and yeah. take the veil away from my heart, because unless that happens, my eyes won't see right. Yeah. If knowing him isn't the goal, then it just becomes religious exercises. That's right. Everything we do becomes a religious exercise if that's not the goal. That's right. And how wonderfully God does that, as you said. He does it differently with each of us, but the destination is the same. Yeah. That we might know him. I want to know him. Yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Well, Kathy, again, we always appreciate you stopping by, and thanks again for talking to us about when I saw him. Thanks, Mike. It's good to be here. The thing that changed Saul into Paul was a sight of Jesus. That sight exposed Saul for who he really was, and he saw so clearly that he had nothing to offer God, nothing to commend him to God, and nothing good in and of himself. But he also saw that Jesus Christ was everything he needed. In our final segment, Pastor Jeff Cologne exhorts us all to humble ourselves and to believe that God knows what we need, that he has everything to meet those needs, and that he sincerely desires to help us.
Once you go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. First of all, I want to ask you a question. How many here believe that the Bible is true? Almost all of you. Seriously, who here believes that this is true? This is the Word of God. God breathed. Okay. Well, the Word of God says where two or three are gathered in His name, He's there in the midst of them. And I believe we're gathered here in His name, aren't we? He's here. Jesus is here. You need to understand that. You need to believe that. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's able to do what he's wanting to do just because he's here. It will depend a whole lot on really believing who he is and that he can do what he wants to do the way he wants to do it and that he's able to do beyond what we can even imagine or think. It says here in, in chapter 12, and, and Jesus was dealing here with the religious people of his day. They were kind of getting on him because his disciples weren't doing the right thing according to tradition, according to their doctrines, their man-made ways of doing things. They had really made into tradition. They had turned the law into tradition. And they were getting on Jesus because his disciples weren't doing the right thing. They were doing things on the Sabbath they shouldn't be doing. And, and Jesus said this to them. And he gave the example of um, David and his men that ate the bread in the temple and the priests. And in verse 6, he says, Yet I say to you that in this place, right now, standing in this place, there's one greater than the temple. But then he says, but if you would have known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. In other words, if you would have made your religion a heart matter and not a matter of following outward laws and conforming yourself to outward traditions, if you would have had a different heart that is in line with my heart, which is a heart of mercy and compassion that is compelled to meet need, you would have not have condemned those that didn't do things the way you thought they should. And then he says, for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. In other words, look, I'm over all those things and I have authority and my authority is the last and final word of the matter. Now it goes on and it says he went on from there and he went into their synagogue and there was a man there who had a withered hand. In other words there was someone with a need. This man had a need. Who has a need here tonight? And they asked him saying is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And it wasn't a sincere question because it says they said it so they might accuse him. In other words, they were looking for anything to discredit Jesus, the Son of God. And he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep? 
and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out. In other words, mercy. If you would have understood that I am a God of mercy, how much more value is a man than a sheep? Do you realize how valuable you are to God? That God is willing to look wrong, to be misconceived, to be hated, even to be plotted against, to be killed, so he can meet your need. He was willing to die on a cross because he was so compelled by compassion to meet your need. You are very valuable to him, every single one of you. You're very valuable to God. Therefore, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. In other words, if I see a need, I'm going to meet it. Even if it goes against how you think I should do it. Because I'm a God of mercy. And I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored just as the other. And then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. The Son of God, they're going to destroy him because he healed a man, because he touched a man. He touched a man's infirmity and healed him. And then it says in verse 15, when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there. In other words, he left. He, he knew, I can't stay here. I, he withdrew. He left. He withdrew from them. And then it says, but a great multitude followed him, and he healed them all. He healed them all. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a need tonight. Do you have a need? Okay, well, listen, men. Jesus is in town. He's here in the synagogue. The Son of God is here. And I want to encourage you. God really encouraged us this morning in our half-day prayer. I believe he gave us faith. He even gave us a word that he is going to do what is needed here. So he's here for you. He loves every single one of you. You are very valued, valuable to him, and he knows what your need is. He just wants you to believe him, to trust him, to get your eyes on him, to know that it's him, that he's here, that he is the son of God, that he has all authority over all things, and that he can do things even if it goes against how we think he should do it. Because he's love, he's compassion, he's driven to meet need. And I believe he's going to meet need in this place. I believe it with all of my heart. Don't be the one he has to withdraw from. Don't be the one who accuses God. Don't be that one. Humble yourself. Believe God to meet you right where you're at. Trust me, he will do above and beyond what you ever imagined. For some, it will be a deep, deep work in your hearts. For others, it might be a touch. For, uh, it, he knows what everyone needs in here. 
and he's moved with compassion. He's just asking you, will you believe me? Will you trust me? Will you know that I am God? I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I heal, I do whatever I wanna do because I'm a God of mercy. And I'm a God who desires mercy, not sacrifice. Outward things we can do. And Lord, I just pray tonight, Lord, I pray that you would manifest yourself in whatever way you want to because you are the Lord of the Sabbath. You're Lord in this place, Lord. You reign. You have full authority here. And God, we step aside, as it were, to you, Lord, and we believe you, Jesus. First of all, that you're here, and second of all, Lord, that you know every need, Lord, and also that you want to meet that need. You are willing, more than willing, Lord, to meet every need. And I pray for faith in this room, Lord. I pray, God, against unbelief. I pray against fear, Lord. And I pray, Jesus, every person would open their heart to you, Lord, and allow you to do what only you can do, Jesus. So God, be God in this place tonight, Lord. Be God in this place, Lord. And we thank you, God. And as we worship and exalt you, Lord, I pray, God, you would manifest your presence in this place. And I ask this in your wonderful, precious name. Amen. Whether you're stuck in sexual sin or simply discouraged by your failing to live a godly life, as Kathy Gallagher said, we all have that Pharisee in us that can rise up and strive to serve the Lord in our own strength. True abundant life and spiritual freedom comes when we lay our self-efforts down and come before God as we truly are, desperate and needy. Then we must come in faith believing that God's desire is to meet our needs and that he will give us everything for life and godliness. That's all for this episode of Purity for Life. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.